What's up, Mercy Road Carmel? Let's make some noise in here for Jesus. Man, well, hey, my name is Mark. If we haven't had a chance to meet uh, Lee Pastor Mercy Road Church Anderson. Okay, all right, I hear some Anderson folks in the building. Hey, let's give a warm welcome to all of those folks who are tuning in online right now. Let's say what's up to them. Y'all don't care about, oh, okay, show some love, you know. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, happy 4th of July weekend. You guys celebrating this weekend? Or you all the ones that stayed home because everybody else is traveling, right? We thank you guys for being here today and those of you are tuning online as well. Listen, 4th of July for me, um, it's fun. I mean, I love it. Like, they had fireworks going on last night. Did you all hear fireworks around too? Yeah, you heard that. Um, it used to be an amazing time for me. And uh, recently, it's changed. Um, and I think it's changed because fireworks and a toddler, they don't really go together. Um, especially a toddler who has like a bedtime schedule and a rhythm. Um, her, her bedtime is 7 p.m. And uh, Noah, we get her to bed at 7. Some parents are like, really? How'd you do that? Um, other people are like, man, that's super early. But we get her to bed at 7. And uh, two years ago, actually, yeah, it's been two years. No, last year, actually, um, you know, fireworks were going off. And uh, my wife, she's intentional about this now. She's like, hey, the fireworks range is from sundown to 11 p.m. I'm like, cool. And she tells me that so that I can know, like, okay, when I should be about hearing the fireworks stop. Good thing is Noah's in Baltimore right now, so we don't have to worry about that. But two years ago, she wasn't. And uh, we were just trying to get into this rhythm of, you know, getting her to bed around 7 p.m. And uh, 7 p.m., she was down, and we knew the fireworks were going to happen. But I'm watching the clock, right? 10.30, I'm like, okay, it should be winding down. 10.45, my neighbor, I mean, he's on all cylinders, 1045. I mean, he's blasting and blasting and blasting. He's got folks all in the, you know, in the driveways, just blasting and blasting. And then, uh, you know, 11 o'clock comes. I'm like, all right, this must be the last rise. Blasting and blasting. 11.05. Still blasting and blasting. Fireworks everywhere. Pop, pop, boom, boom. 11.15 arrives. He's still going. I'm not happy. Um, I, I mean, I get, I get upset. And uh, my wife is like, yeah, we'll just, you know, go by tomorrow and tell him it was insensitive. And no, he needs to know now. So I get up and uh, I rush outside. I don't even know if I put on shorts. I just went outside. I was just hot. I was pissed. I'm like, my daughter's going to wake up. This is horrible. And uh, I go and I tell him, you know, this is a problem. And here's the thing. What I'm getting at is this. Like, Fourth of July is a time for celebration, right? We got a lot of celebration that's happening. But sometimes we don't think about the casualties that happen as a result of our celebration. We're sitting here celebrating the freedoms that we have in this country, and yet uh, we forget that there were people that lost their lives and people that died so that we can have that freedom. So sometimes we can get in the way where we realize, like, our, our liberty, while we gain that liberty, we actually lose it at the expense of life. And what happens is, uh, you know, I learned this in the process of trying to get a two-year-old keeping her sleep while fireworks are happening. Then it made me think about a couple weeks ago, because while 4th of July is a great celebration to celebrate America's independence, um, we just celebrated a couple weeks ago the independence of people that look like me. Because the truth of the matter is, 4th of July didn't mean freedom for people that look like me. Um, and it wasn't until Juneteenth, some years, many years later, um, where we actually had an opportunity to be even considered uh, free in this country. But even in celebrating that a couple weeks ago, we had to think about the casualties and the people who lost their lives as a result of fighting for that type of freedom. 
And so today, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be going after this idea of the cost of freedom. You guys enjoying this series on Judges? You guys been enjoying it? Let's make some noise for that, right? It's been incredible. I've been watching it online um, and keep checking up with it. And I mean, it's been a good, a good, good book to go through. And some of you are like, you guys are talking about Judges? Uh, can I leave now? Can I get out of here? Uh, but no, like Judges have been good. And uh, if you don't know, Judges is a really cool book. Um, it, it talks about this idea of like God raising up spiritual leaders. And we believe in raising up spiritual leaders here at Mercy Road Church. And for those of you who are here for the first time, certainly hope it's not your last time. One of the models we say around here is that Mercy Road is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And if it's a hospital for sinners, that means we're getting them well and then also developing them into spiritual leaders. And so the way that we do that is by teaching on things like judges, because this is where God actually raises up some spiritual leaders. And if you got that, that pack of cards this week or weeks prior, uh, you probably already know what I'm talking about today, um, because my card with this face uh, is on that card. We're talking about this guy named Jephthah. And uh, Jephthah is one of the spiritual leaders that God raises up in the book of Judges. And we're going to be going after and looking into his story and seeing what we can kind of mine out of his experience so that can help us and really understand the idea that there is a cost to freedom. All right, you guys ready to jump into God's word? All right, let's jump into God's word. Let's look at Judges chapter 11, Judges chapter 11. And uh, as you flip there, as you turn on your device, or even as you just read it on the screens, um, you know, the, the book of Judges, it kind of bears this name in the, in the Hebrew word for Judges in terms of the definition. It generally means um, this idea of uh, delivers um, or, or deliverers and saviors. Um, if you kind of, and it also means the judge, but it's also those three things about somebody being a deliverer and somebody being a savior. And uh, Jephthah is actually a mighty warrior who comes to save and rescue uh, his people. So Judges 11, beginning at verse number four, reads like this. Uh, Sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to, the, to Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. And Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? And the of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, the Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. And so Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord in Mitzvah. And then Jephthah sent messengers to the Anamites king with the message, with the messengers, where he said, when Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from the Anans to the J-Box, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. So Jephthah, in the middle of this, he kind of breaks down the story of like, well, let me tell you how it appears to me. This is how the story really goes. And he says that back to the king, and the king of Ammon says this. However, uh, the king of Ammon actually pays him no attention, pays the message no attention. He just basically ignores Jephthah. And uh and this is what happens. It says, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from there, he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. 
If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice as a burnt offering. And then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gave them into his hands. The Lord gave them into his hands. Now, it's a very interesting story. Let me back up and give you a little bit of the context. So Jephthah, his father's name is Gilead. Gilead, we don't really know who Jephthah's mom is. His mom was actually a prostitute. So Jephthah is a, is a son of Gilead. Mom's a prostitute. Gilead gets married. He has some other kids and his brothers. They don't really like Jephthah. So they kind of push him out away from the land. They literally are like, you know, your mom, we don't know who she is. You're really like a half-brother. You don't really belong here. This isn't a place for you. They kick him out. They push him out of the area. They push him out of his area that he knows, the, the land of comfort, the land where he has a house, the land where he's known, all that he knows. They push him out, and he finds himself in the land of Tob, um, where he basically hangs out with a bunch of scoundrels. And in the process of that, um, you know, Jephthah, he goes and he has to find a life that he has to live and make it outside of the comfort of the place where he's, he's already known, where his family is. So he gets pushed away from his family. He gets pushed away from everything that he knows. And even some of you, you know what that feels like to be pushed away from your family of origin, to be shunned by a father or a mother, to be pushed away by a child. Your teenager, they don't want nothing to do with you right now. They're pushing you away. And you know that that's just a painful, a painful thing to go through. And yet, that's what happens to Jephthah. They push him out. They push him into this other city. And, um, and then out of nowhere, the elders of Gilead, they come and they, they find him. They're like, hey, hey, you, Jephthah, yeah, I know. We, we kicked you out a while ago. Uh, hey, we need you now. Uh, we've got this fight on our hands, and we could really use a person who's a commander and a chief and come to lead us, fight, fight for us in battle. And Jephthah's like, wait, 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 wait. You, you, you are the guys that, you know, y'all kicked me out. I thought you hated me. Don't you hate me? I'm not one of you. I'm half-breed. My mom's a prostitute. My dad didn't even fight for me to stay in this space but you, you want me? And that's really where the first thing that I want to kind of share with you today is this, that we realize in that question that Jephthah never processes the payment of his past. That while he had moved on, while he had lived in Tome, like he had not really processed the payment of the hurt, of the pain, of the, of the distance, of, of all that took place as a result of being pushed out by his own loved ones. And he had been, you know, kind of isolated and, and, and pushed away, and he never really processed that pain. Because the moment that they asked him for something, the moment that they actually mustered up maybe some gall to just come and, hey, come on, man, we need you. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Don't you, don't you hate me? And you've been there before, the very person who kicked you out of the family or the person who you've been arguing with or the spouse that you can't see eye to eye with, right? Or the job that, that act like they didn't need you. They let you go a couple months ago and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, big head, we need you again, right? And it's like, wait a minute, didn't you guys do this to me? Didn't you treat me this way, right? You kind of, all these feelings, they come to the surface. And the question is, what have you been holding on to? 
What have you been holding on to? And I, I think about this. Uh, when I, I remember um, back in, like, I think I was in grad school when, they, when the gas prices first went up for the first time. And, uh, and it was like, oh, my gosh, gas is going crazy. And now it's like, that was cheap uh, compared to what we got to pay now at the pump. And, uh, you know, you go to the gas station and you go and you fill it up. After you fill up the gas station, it's like, man, I'm full. You're good to go. It's like, man, I just spent $185 to fill up a 10-gallon tank. This is not good. Um, and so you spend all this money and you walk away. And then you you go and check that account lady like oh I'm still good you know went and bought my wife some flowers and you know go in and get us some stuff and I was like oh we're gonna take out to eat good to go and then the next day I get like this this text message is like your your account is overdrawn yeet well, what what happened there uh go through looking at the account I'm like oh the gas station didn't process the payment they only held one dollar so I thought I had a lot more there, but I really didn't. And uh, nobody else has been there? Okay, this is Carmel, maybe not. Um, one of my folks at Andrew, maybe we could identify with that. Uh, so, you know, when that happens, right, you're just kind of like, what happened to my money? But it's like, oh, they didn't process it all the way. And what the bank does, they hold the dollar. They intend to charge you later. They just haven't gone through their process yet. Listen, the gas station, don't judge them because the gas station is just like some of us. Many of us have experienced things in our lives and we've been holding on to it and we have not processed the grief. We have not processed the issue. We have not processed the pain. We have not processed the embarrassment. We haven't processed the shame, the guilt, the hurt, and we have not exercised any amount of forgiveness for the people who hurt us and we've been walking around having not processed the payment of our past. Some of you sitting right here under the sound of my voice, you're, you're in the predicament that you're in because your parents hadn't processed the payment of their past. And they created a household and an environment where you were unable to maybe thrive or have the type of, of upbringing that would have made you a lot different than the way that you are. But the reason why you've been responding to things the way that you've been responding to is maybe you've still been holding on to something, something that you haven't processed yet. What is it? You know exactly what it is. Right now, you've got the image in your mind of the thing that you've been holding on to, that grudge with the brother, the grudge with the sister, the grudge with the sibling that you just can't see eye to eye with, the issue, especially with the, the way in which the country has been divided. At the, I mean, we got people who are on one side of COVID, on the other side of COVID, on one side of this issue, one side of that issue, let alone the issue that just passed what, a week ago, right? It's like people are on opposite sides, and it's division, division, division. And many of us, it's because we haven't processed the past. And unfortunately, that's, that's even why we just was able to make Juneteenth a federal holiday is because they finally acknowledged and tried to process what had been done in the past. And Jephthah hadn't done that. And then they come and they ask him to be a commander. He's like, man, don't you hate me? <laughs> don't you dislike me? Didn't you want to disown me? Didn't you want to wash your hands of me because of, of something that my parents did that I had nothing to do with? I had nothing to do with the decisions of my parents, but instead I'm still paying the penalty for it. And you feel that you're paying the penalty of your dad's alcoholism. You're paying the penalty of your mom being ultra submissive in a way that was harmful of your vision and view of women. Maybe you're still dealing with the unprocessed grief and guilt and loss of a loved one. But listen, 
Whatever you do, find a way to process the pain. Process your past. Because when we process the payment of our past and when we cash it in, life is so, so much better. And we go down and we, we see that he didn't process the payment of his past. And, and when we don't process the payment of our past, what happens is we bring all of that, all of that stress, all of that strain, all of that pressure, we bring it and we carry it. We carry it in ways and sometimes they're healthy and other times they're unhealthy, but we carry it. We try to bury it. We try to ignore it. We try to act as if it doesn't exist. We put our face on. We put our, our, our makeup on. We wear the mask as if we're not walking around with past things that have been haunting us. And then this is what will happen. It's the same thing that happened in Jephthah. Because he didn't process the payment of his past, the pain made him realize that his present circumstances, his prior circumstances were preparation for his present conditions. Now you're like, man, what, what do you mean? Uh, because see, what happens is um, in this passage, Jephthah gets ignored two times. Gets ignored twice. The first time he gets ignored is when he tells them, hey, don't you guys hate me? And they're like, yeah, nevertheless, we need you now. In other words, don't worry about what we did to you. Don't worry about the pain that we caused you. Don't worry about the issue. Don't worry about what you're carrying around. We need you now. And we run off and do the next thing. And that's kind of how we run our lives, right? We deal with pain. We deal with insecurities. We deal with issues. And instead of us dealing with them, what do we do? We run behind work. What do we do? We run behind sports. What do we do? We, we, we delve ourselves into wreck sports around here, right? That's what we do. We start to run and we start to do things and get busy so that we don't have to deal with the issue. But the pain of that issue and while you're running and while you're filling up that schedule and while you're busy doing all of the things that you think are so important, I got to get it done. But you ain't dealing with the past and as a result, that pain is welling up and we're reluctant to, to, to release it. Why are you holding on to something that you can release and give to God? But the pain can make you miss his presence. See, because what happens is they ignore him and say, nevertheless, we need you now. Then he writes a letter to the king of the Ammonites. And when he writes a letter to him, he's like, no, 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 no. We don't need to fight. Like, listen, listen, the way that we got this land, it wasn't about a hostile takeover. Like, it just, God just delivered, he just gave it to us. Like, we weren't, we weren't trying to fight you guys. Like, we're good. And you know what the king did? He ignored him. He ignored him two times. He got ignored by the people who actually treated him bad. And then he got ignored by a potential enemy. And that was a recipe. That was a recipe for a tipping point for Jephthah. It was a recipe for somebody to really, it triggered him in order to start to respond in a way that was, that was like, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it makes it amazing, at least an amazing Marvel, Marvel movie at least, right? Because uh, what, you, what you don't realize is that uh, Jephthah, after he gets ignored, the very next verse says that the, uh, that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and as a result, he started making his way. And Jephthah goes out. Remember, he was made commander, meaning he has an army. He's got an army with artillery. He's got a whole force behind him. But after he got ignored the second time, he lost it. He snapped. 
He went to fight the Ammonites, wiped out 20 towns of people, men, women, children, everything by himself. Left the army. Forget the commanders. Literally, I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, wow, Jephthah snapped. Right. I mean, he just snapped. And, and before I judge Jephthah, I realized that, that this came as a result of being ignored, of feeling unseen, of feeling unheard, of feeling taken advantage of and realizing this is an opportunity to get revenge for the pain and the hurt and the things that was brought upon me that were caused by other people. And he snapped. And immediately I got a flashback of all of that we saw on the news of individuals who felt unseen, who felt unheard, who felt like they had been taken advantage of and they find arms and they go into schools and they hurt innocent people because hurt people will hurt people and as much as we think that this narrative is something that's just super superficial or maybe didn't happen no we have real life examples of people who do not process the payment of their past and their pain begins to it gets triggered you wondered why you snapped on your wife or for something that was so frivolous or snapped on your children or felt like you wanted to go and write that nasty email to the boss and it wasn't even that serious. It's because we're walking around on edge with the pressure of not processing the past. And when we do that, we are unable to really feel his presence. Because the pain that you feel when you feel unheard, the pain that you, that you feel and the pressure that you feel, it makes you forget about the presence of God. That you feel like you've been forgotten so long. You feel like you've been unheard for so long. You feel like you've been praying and those prayers have not been answered and you're so upset that you take matters into your own hands. Fact, that's what I believe happened to Jephthah. And you're like, wait a minute, Mark. No, no, no. You wait a minute. Watch Luke the test says. It says that after he got ignored, it said that the spirit of the Lord was upon him. But then right after that, it actually says that Jephthah decided to make a vow with the Lord. And what happened was because of the pain, he missed his presence. And when you miss the presence of the Lord, we start to discount the divine. Don't ever discount the divine because that's exactly what Jephthah did. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and it was present for him to be able to deal with the pain and to relieve the stress so that he would not have to go and fight this thing with the angry and the anger heart. But no, we could tell that the spirit left because Jephthah decided to make a vow to the Lord when he didn't need to. The text actually says that after the spirit of the Lord came upon him, that Jephthah actually started to make an advancement in the Ammonites, which means he had already started to move and strategize and things were going according to what God would have liked to happen. And here's the thing. He discounted the spirit. He discounted the divine. See, because he was looking for insurance for his insecurity. Many of you standing under the sound of my voice and even watching online, you've been trying to bargain with God. You've been trying to figure out if I can make a vow to God. We need some insurance for our insecurities because we've forgotten that God is enough, but we shouldn't have insurance for our insecurity. We should have been fortified by our faith. 
that our faith should be strong enough to be able to move and realize that the presence of the Lord is there. But the moment that he makes the vow, I realize that he did miss, he had completely missed that God's presence was already upon him. Because how many of you know that even when we aren't strong enough, God is strong enough. When we aren't smart enough, God is smarter than smart enough. When we don't have enough strength and we don't have, and we feel like we are weak or depleted, when we rest and lean on God, God will help us push through any adversity that we feel like we're dealing with. And we don't have to fight it on our own, but God's presence will be right there with us in the midst of the storm. And that's what God wanted to do for Jephthah. And Jephthah was like, no, I need to make this vow. And the vow was, hey, God, if you deliver these people to me, whatever comes out of my house when I return from home, it's yours. I'm giving it to you as a burnt sacrifice and a burnt offering. And that sounds amazing, right? That sounds like, okay, cool. That's not too bad. And then what happened? He goes home after war, opens up the door, outruns out his only daughter. And Jephthah at that point realizes the mistake that he made, that he decided to try to bargain with God and made this vow with God. And as a result, he's standing there watching his only daughter come out of the house. And he has to tell her that I have to sacrifice you to the Lord. That he has to kill his only daughter because of a vow that he made that never had to be made, but he made it because he was trying to ensure his insecurity. Let me tell you the reason why my card, that cute little card you got in the pack, says Jephthah, and it says that he's a mighty warrior, but his weakness was thoughtless decision. See, he was able to make thoughtless decisions because he hadn't dealt with the past, because he was walking around with the pain and the shame. And many of us, if we look back over our lives, the times where we've made bad decisions, they were motivated by things that had hurt us, things that had bothered us, things that had separated us, things that had injured us, things that were just not what God would have wanted us to do. But I declare today that there is a cost to freedom that God has already paid. That while he killed his daughter, while he sacrificed his daughter rather, he didn't kill her, but he sacrificed his daughter, that even in that thoughtless decision, God can still redeem it. You're thinking, how can God redeem that? God still was able to redeem that moment for Jephthah. See, because it cost him his daughter. But if you keep reading, you'll realize that his daughter, she came to her dad and said, Dad, I understand the type of vow that you made. Will you allow me to go off for the next two weeks, for the next two months rather, and go into the hills with my friends because I'm a virgin and I will never be able to marry because you're going to be sacrificing me as a burnt offering. But can I go and share with my friends and cry and let them know that I'm getting ready to leave, but it's okay. It's okay, Dad. You made the vow. You can take my life. He takes her life, he comes back, and he, he gives her as a burnt offering. But do you know that God even redeemed it because he said now, because you were willing to be obedient even to the vow that you made out of your pain, out of your shame, out of your guilt, out of your anger, even though you made that, I'm able to redeem that. And so from that day forward, during the different festivals of the Jewish calendar, the girls who were virgins under that age, they would spend two months as a commemoration to the sacrifice that Jephthah's daughter made, but it, they, took, they took the time so that they could recalibrate 
celebrate and they could be reassured that the presence of God was with them, even though it felt like it wasn't with Jephthah. And I've come to tell you today that that's the same God. He wants to remind us that the decisions that you've made, that the bad decisions that you've decided to go with, that the bad relational choices that you've made, that the way in which you've raised your kids or maybe the way that you left your boss, like, listen, God can redeem every situation that you've ever messed up in. And that's the good news today. That regardless of what you came in here with, God can redeem it. Even if you've murdered someone. God can redeem you. And that's the beauty. And when I was reading this story, it was messing with my head because I'm like, man, this is a horrible story. But then I'm reminded that this story is actually just a microcosm and a foreshadowing of somebody else who would send their child to be sacrificed for me. That there would be a God who would send his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, down to this world because he knew that you and me would make some thoughtless decisions, that we would not cross every T, that you would not dot every I, but that God could redeem every decision that you've ever made, that God wants to heal you, God wants to make you whole, God wants to help you with your pain, God can help you process the payment of your past, God can come and redeem your habits, your addictions. He can redeem your mind. He can redeem your body. He can redeem your spirit. If you've been broken, God can redeem your sexuality. God wants to redeem your marriage. God wants to redeem everything that you feel like is unredeemable today. It's not just Independence Day for America, but it's Independence Day from your bondage. It's Independence from the things that broke you. It's this Independence Day for you. This is a freedom celebration, and the reason why we commemorate every Sunday is to celebrate the freedom that Jesus Christ paid for on that cross. Do I have 25 of you who can give God glory? Because you know that if it had not been for Jesus setting you free, you would still be in bondage. That you don't have to bargain for what's already been bought. Stop bargaining with God that, God, if you get me out of this one, I'm going to do this. God, if you can, if you can help me get out of this jam, I'll make sure I come to church every week, God. If you could just help me with this, you don't have to bargain for what's already been bought. Your life has been paid for, bought with a price that he hung high and was stretched wide and he bled and died so that you could have freedom. So from now on, we can celebrate Independence Day, not just on the 4th of July, but we can celebrate it every day we wake up. Every day you take that first breath, you ought to celebrate the independence and the freedom. And listen, if you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sin, today is your day of salvation. Today is your independence day. Today is your freedom. And you can mark that on a connection card. Or if you're feeling convicted in this moment and you're like, I want Jesus. I want to be redeemed. I want to be freed from my sins. I want to be forgiven for my past. I want to process the pain. Listen, you can slip your hands in the air and say, today is the day that I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Because Jephthah is just a microcosm of how we try to fight our way all on our own to victory when the victory has already been won.
That's the cost of freedom. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for reminding us that the cost of freedom, that what it cost you was a life. And we're so grateful today, God, because you sent your son Jesus to, to show us how to live, but also show us that our, our bad decisions can be redeemed, and that you can redeem them for us, and that you, you're excited about the way in which you can take those bad decisions and those bad choices and those tests and those trials and those tribulations, God, and you can take them and make them into our greatest testimony. And so, God, we thank you for reminding us of that today. And God, we pray that anybody who's watching or under the sound of my voice who doesn't know you and the pardons of their sins, God, that you will forgive them and let them know that your peace surpasses all their understanding and that you can forgive them for whatever it is that they feel like is not redeemable. So God, we thank you today. And we love you today. And we thank you for independence today, God. We thank you for setting us free. We thank you for forgiving us, God. We thank you for setting us on a new course because you have victory in our future. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And if you've been freed by Jesus, come on, just shout amen, amen. Let's give God some praise in this place.